Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Pilate spoke to the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead and clearly told them that Jesus was not guilty. Pilate went far beyond saying that Jesus was not guilty of a crime worthy of death. He found no fault in him at all. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. It was illegal to sentence a man to death when there was no fault in him at all. Pilate completed his involvement in the trial of Jesus by washing his hands of the blood of Jesus. Jesus didn't resist Pilate's final decision because he knew the outcome of his trial. Jesus willingly died for our sins. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 18. This bird that's in my hand and turn it into a gold statue? Can you take this this bowl and turn it into a bowl of jello? And of course Jesus could have turned it into a filet mignon if he wanted to, still steaming with mashed potatoes. But he didn't because that's not what he was about. And so, beginning now in verse 39, this is really the second time that Jesus appeared before Pilate. The second time, or um, line item 6 here on the screen. This was the second time, and this is going to take us all the way into chapter 19 to verse 16. This final episode of Jesus' trial. Certainly he's been like a hot potato all, all around, and now he's before Pilate the very last time. And it says in verse 39, But you have a custom, Pilate says, that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And when they all cried, then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now Barabbas was a true criminal. But Jesus was not a criminal. In fact, he was the only one in the entire world who had not sinned. He was the only one perfect on the earth. And you would think that there'd be something about him. You know, have you thought about that? As perfect and wonderful as Jesus is, yet his glory was veiled while he was in his physical structure on the earth. Can you imagine? He he looked very plain. Isaiah tells us there's no form, there's no comeliness that we should desire him. He was so plain looking that he had to be pointed out by Judas. He was so plain and ordinary. That was, you know, he didn't have flowing blonde hair and look like, you know, somebody. Barry Gibb. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Staying alive. But you know what a what a sad predicament. The, the the perfection of Christ was right before him, and they shunned it, and they rather chose a base substitute, a very base substitute. And this is just the the unfortunate thing of man. And so let me ask you the question, was Jesus' trial, as we have looked at this, was Jesus' trial, was it legal? You know that I'm going to say it wasn't, because that's true. It was not legal. On many levels, and, and, and I'm only going to share a few of these things with you today, but I'm going to read to you a couple of things. There was one quote by this gentleman. He was his name is Earl Wingo. He was a past president of the Mississippi Bar, Mississippi State Bar Association. So a lawyer, and he looked into the the, the Mishnah and a lot of these different writings about uh, Hebrew law. And as he began to look at these things, he began to see so many discrepancies on many levels. And he says, A careful analysis of all the Jewish laws in existence when Jesus was tried brings one to the conclusion that the entire proceedings were a mockery. Every protective law was ignored when dealing with Jesus. And there was this book that I found that I thought was really a a good one. Uh, It's called The Illegal Trials of Jesus by this um, Mississippi um, State Bar Association lawyer that put this all together. And the things I'm sharing with you are certainly within uh, the contents of this book. But basically, he just outlines the illegalities of Jesus' arrest and sentencing. And I think this is important for us to look at because it's something you don't hear a whole lot of. And so let's look at the very first one. It says, uh, the thing that was wrong with this whole thing is the arrest was without authority of law and therefore illegal. And the arrest was, uh, was done by a mob of soldiers and nothing was given to Jesus or said to him concerning why he was being arrested. There was no warrant for his arrest. They certainly didn't read the Miranda warning to him before they handcuffed him and said, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you in the court of law. If you do not have an attorney, one will be appointed for you. Do you understand these rights? That's basically what they didn't do. There was no warrant. He had no idea why he was being arrested. He knew, actually, but they didn't present that. Why? Because they didn't even know. They just hated him. He was bad for business. He was bringing people to himself, and it was cutting off this, this following from the religious leaders, and he was getting, they were getting really upset with him because he had real power, and they had totally forsaken Christ. They'd forsaken God by their rules and regulations, and they had missed what God had called them to do. And so there was nothing here. The arrest was without authority and therefore illegal. And Annas, before whom Jesus was first taken uh, for examination, was a mere politician without jurisdiction. He had no judicial authority over Jesus. And this is what the Hebrew law states. There was no authority because there was no uh, warrant. There was nothing. There was And the law prohibited the taking of any prisoner before any individual for a private examination. And that's exactly what happened with Annas. He was taken privately. And the Hebrew law stated that nor under any circumstances was a man known to be at enmity, excuse me, rephrase that again, nor under any circumstances was a man known to be at enmity with the accused person permitted to occupy a position among the judges. And Annas 
and Caiaphas and all of them were, um, they hated Jesus. They weren't even supposed to be a part of the proceedings, of the, be, to be among the judges. And Annas hated Jesus because of the doctrinal differences, and therefore he was not supposed to be there. And so the third thing is the Sanhedrin were, was unlawfully assembled. The laws prohibited the Sanhedrin from meeting on the day before a Sabbath. And this was a high Sabbath, and it was also the Passover. They, weren't, they were prohibited from um, the Sanhedrin from meeting on the day before a Sabbath, at night, remember that, at night, or during the celebration of the Feast of Passover. And it was between 2 and 3.30 in the morning when all of these proceedings happened, under the cover of darkness. Illegal. In every way. And four, the charges against Jesus began to change as the trial went forward. No accusations were, were given to him or anyone at the very beginning. And as the trial was going on, Annas charged Jesus with blasphemy when nothing was working out. He basically charged him with blasphemy. But not at the beginning. As the trial was going onward, he was tried, or you know, the charges of blasphemy were brought up. And when Jesus was before Pilate, the charge was then changed to sedition. You don't try for somebody, and then as you go along in the trial, you don't just start bringing up charges. Oh, that didn't work, so let me pull out another one. Let me, hang on a minute. I've got to pull out another charge out of my pocket. Oh, here's another one. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I got another one. Hang on. And then they pull out another one. Does that sound familiar? They were fishing for something, anything that would stick. They couldn't find anything. And when the accusation didn't add up, they tried another one. And they tried four different charges. They said that he perverted the nation, that he for, forbid to pay taxes. He said that he was a king, which was an affront against Caesar. They said that he was stirring up the people of the nation and thus seditious. None of these things were true. And then the fifth thing, Jesus was denied an opportunity to obtain witnesses for himself. They didn't let him. And at least two witnesses were required to testify in support of a, charged, of a charge against the accused, and their testimony had to agree as to all the material facts involved. The burden of proof was upon them to charge him. But what does it tell us in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 55? It says this, Now the chief priests and all the council sought counsel Testimony, excuse me, against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Right there, the whole thing is a mistrial, or, you know, he, he should be acquitted. And then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. And yet, even in Deuteronomy, the law states that, in Deuteronomy 17, verse 6, that whoever is deserving of death shall not be put to death on the testimony of, on, of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. It has to be two or more. They have to agree on the material evidence. And none of this was happening. None of it was working. Everything was false. Everything was not mashing out. They didn't have one credible witness and Caiaphas even broke the ninth commandment when he bore false witness against Jesus. He accused him of blasphemy, and there was no way of, 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 of proving that or disproving it. 
And number seven, it was not lawful to conclude the trial in a single day. Jewish law says a criminal case where a death sentence is to be pronounced cannot be concluded before the following day. The trial of Jesus was concluded in a few hours, although under the law it was required to be carried out forward into the second day. And they did it at night, which was also illegal. And they didn't have everybody present either. There were supposed to be 73 members. I think only 23 were present. Do you see a lot of problems with this? Kind of sounds like our judicial system at times. And then finally, eight, or not finally, but next is eight. The Jews had no authority to exact capital punishment. The Romans, as I said earlier, had taken that from them. So as they're bringing Jesus before them saying, we want this man, he's worthy of death, they didn't have the authority. It was illegal for them to even go that direction. But it didn't stop them. They did it anyway. Why? Because the devil in them, encouraging them, wanted to put the Son of God to death. To snuff out his life. And Jesus, of course, didn't resist it. Because it was for this purpose that he came. Do you see how God's uh, ultimate... um, God's purposes are not going to be thwarted. Even though man, in his illegality, in his sin... You see how they they can happen simultaneously... Jesus came for this purpose to die. He wasn't a martyr. He willingly laid down his life. But God holds those men, all of them, responsible for all the illegality, all the wickedness that they did. God just has the unfair advantage of being outside of time and being able to see the end from the beginning. That's, he's, he's the only one who can. And so he can tell things as if it's fact, but he didn't make those men do it. They operated on their own evil hearts. And they had opportunity, didn't they? And a unanimous verdict of guilty, and this is one I don't quite understand, to be honest with you, but I think it's just a protection in the Jewish law. A unanimous verdict of guilty rendered on the same day, a verdict of guilty, a unanimous guilty verdict on on the same day was basically a, 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 would result in an acquittal. And probably because they probably think that there's something awry. Why is it that everybody's against him and you did this all in one day? There's got to be something, something doesn't sound right. And so that would uh, allow for an acquittal. And yet that didn't stop them. And number 10, it was not lawful to condemn Jesus solely upon his own confession. Jesus did say, I am the son of God. But a voluntary confession on his part is not admitted in evidence and therefore not competent to convict unless a legal number of witnesses minutely corroborate his self-accusation. And because no one came forward to deny the claims of Christ, of being the Son of God, they, could, they would have had to acquit him because there was not at least two witnesses against him. And Jesus wasn't even given the opportunity to defend himself. Recently, we saw a trial where a young man who had uh, shot some people in self-defense, when he realized his lawyers, for whatever reason, they decided to put him on the stand, and it actually worked out pretty well because he was telling the truth. He was able to defend himself, but Jesus was not even able to defend himself. Illegal. And Jesus, taken from Pilate to Herod, was against the law, since there was no charge and thus nothing to decide. And as such, Herod had no jurisdiction over Jesus. 
It was wrong for Pilate to send him to Herod. There were no charges. There was no jurisdiction. Illegal. And it was illegal for Pilate to pronounce Jesus not guilty, but then hand him over to be crucified. Why would you crucify an innocent man? But you remember what he said to them. You remember what he said? He says, he took a bowl of water and he goes, I wash my hands of this whole thing. You see to it. Well, it doesn't work that way, Mr. Pilate. You are complicit in this because you basically said, you said four different times, I find no fault in this man, and yet it's illegal for you to deliver this man to be crucified when he is not guilty. He wasn't charged. He had no charges against him. All the charges that people brought up by false witnesses, none of them matched up. There were so many things. This thing was riff with illegality and deception. And yet, the Bible said hundreds and even thousands of years prior through the prophets that this would happen. That Jesus would go to the cross and pay the price. And I love that about Jesus. All throughout those proceedings, he could have said, can you imagine that? (laughs) Forgive me. Um, You know, as Jesus is, is, is going through these six different trials... As they're talking, he could have said, nope, that's not true. Nope, that's illegal. Illegal against your own law. Nope, that's not true. False, false news, fake news. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Boy, you guys are batting for a thousand. That's not true. And as he he would go from, you know, Annas to Caiaphas and Caiaphas to Pilate and Pilate to Herod and then Herod back to Pilate, he could have just said, nope, that's not true. And you don't have any authority over me. I'm the one who has authority. Who was in control throughout this whole thing? Was man in control? Man thought he was in control. Judas thought he was in control. He had no authority. He was acting on his own evil heart. But God just happened to know what was going to happen. Isn't it sad? But yet we have a Savior who, knowing all of this, knowing the complete corruption, you know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And as I look today in our culture, in our judicial system, my mother was a bailiff in the Lee County Sheriff's Department for many years. My whole family's in law enforcement, and I've heard stories. Man's government is messed up. It's not always accurate. It's not always true. But as I look around and I see the things that are going on and that have gone on and will continue to go on, It's not going to be fair. It's not going to be just. It's not going to be right. But know this, that God knows. And you know Him, and He knows you. And He's going to take care of you. In spite of these things that rattle us. If you're like me, I have a sense of justice in my heart, don't you? Because we read the Word of God. We know what God expects of man. And man has fallen, including myself, have fallen way short. And I get angry about that. And I have to learn to, you know, to, to trust Him in the midst of this battle that we're in. And it's being played out before us, all on the news. And everything that's going on, there's just so much corruption. You think what's going on in, in the Ukraine and Russia? Do you think that's all, all fine and good? No, there's so much corruption on so many different levels. We don't even know it. And the press is feeding us lies. And I'll stop there. 
before I really get going. But Jesus, knowing all of this, says, I willingly lay down my life for my sheep. And you're one of his sheep. And I'm one of his sheep. And sometimes I need to get shorn, you know, because I start to grow a little too much. But you know what? We're one of his. Be encouraged. You know, even as we see the, the, the horrible things that happened to, to Christ... And Jesus said, if these things are happen to me, they're going to happen to you. We're not exempt from difficulty. We're not exempt from difficult times. And I think, folks, I would encourage you to get your heart fixated on Jesus Christ. Get your heart fixated on his word and get your eyes off of all the other stuff. Because he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Why don't we stand and let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we just uh, we thank you uh, today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've revealed these things to us. And Lord, thank you for going to the cross for us when we know that we deserved we deserve the punishment. Lord, you were the only perfect one, and yet you came willingly, and you... The greatest act of worship occurred on Mount Moriah that day, nearly 2,000 years ago, as another father would put to death his son. God the Father, you put your son, you allowed your son, Jesus, to be put to death on our behalf that we might have the righteousness of Christ. And Lord, how we thank you for that. Lord, encourage us, Lord, in the world that we live in. Lord, there's so many things that are going wrong, so many things that we see that are just not right, God. Help us to not lose heart. Help us not to be discouraged. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, Jesus. Father, fill us with your Spirit. And help us to be about your business. Lord, there's a whole plethora of people that are scared and have no idea of what we know in this room. And they need to know, God. Help us to be about that business. Not about the other business, but about that business. And Lord, help us in the midst of all this to trust you. And especially the things that we don't have a clue about, Lord, we have no idea what is happening in the world right now. You've given us the bigger picture, and we thank you for that. But how this is all going to, where this is going to be, we have no idea right now. But, Lord, we trust you. And, Lord, we trust you. And so please fill our hearts with your peace and help us to love one another as you loved us. And help us go out from these walls and share the truth of the love of God with so many people. Lord, help us not to turn inward and focused on just the church and ourselves. And Lord, help us. We ask that you'd fill us, Lord. And would you do these things in all of us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.